Welcome to episode number eight of Ultra Chill. Last time we had David and Nicholas on and we talked about our NFT standard, token factories, and how NFTs work within the larger context of Ultra and its ecosystem. It was a really interesting discussion. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But some of the stuff that I've been reading online the last couple of weeks, which is associated with gaming and blockchain, uh, the news that Steam is not allowing it on their platform, etc. Um, some of it's been positive, some of it's not been so positive. And I think that a lot of that comes from how people perceive blockchain uh, at large and how people perceive what they think NFTs actually are. So I want to take a step back and bring David and Nicholas back onto the pod and talk about what NFTs actually are and a little bit about what we think the metaverse will become. So we have a really interesting show and I'm really excited to present it. So let's get to it. I wanted to start with um, the general interest in blockchain and NFT technology. And I wanted to kind of like break it down by, you know, uh, the different people who'll be using the technology itself, right? Because it's gamers, but it's also uh, developers and publishers and brands, etc. So let's go one by one and talk a little bit about uh, what their specific interest is and what they're focused on. So maybe we start with users. Good. Uh, on the user standpoint, I think there are already different type of users which have different interests. Um, you have like really the users who are like pure gamers who will consume the game. Uh, so for them, basically, the time they spend in the game uh, initially was for fun, right? And for interaction with, with friends. Uh, now, in addition to that, they have a layer of uh, real progression that they can save and then or bring to other games or sell or earn from it. So basically, they have more layer to the gaming experience, which is um, a monetary value uh, to it, which is, I think, really cool when you're like a young teenager and you're playing a lot of games. You can actually monetize that time, uh, but as well as hardcore adult would then become more of a of a trader around this game, like you would see the in the auction house in World of Warcraft, for example. So there's a lot of um, basically making a meta game out of the game, which can be done using NFT technology, which is very exciting. Uh, then you also have a lot on the creator side as well, uh, where basically when you create uh, content, this content now can be easily sold uh, through. Um, secure a secure system which is the blockchain uh, which really allows uh, you to basically broadcast your your content to many people and provide value to everybody uh, in the chain whether it's the, the publishers developers yourself the people who bought it or gonna reset it for example are you talking about modders there or do you have more specific use cases that uh, you, you think are relevant you have four modders, but you can also have some games, uh, basically, that allows you to create content directly um, to be used within the game. Uh, sure. So this is pretty exciting. But uh, modders, of course, uh, is super exciting. I mean, it's uh, people really spending a lot of time creating mods. Uh, now it's hard for them to monetize this. And obviously, with NFTs now, they have and blockchain they have this new way to monetize it while still benefiting the the developer of the core game so everybody uh is part of this uh this activity wins 
Yeah, we, we talked about that, I think, in the last podcast. Um, I think we'll drop a link to that uh, so that anybody who missed it can uh, jump directly to that and reference it. Um, but f beyond just users who are uh, playing the game or creating content for the game, um, like the developers, developers themselves, there's all kinds of new functionality and new ways to express uh, their gaming content. Um, maybe you guys want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think... Um... NFTs can be used in many, many different ways. And we're just at the beginning of knowing what um, is uh, viable. Um, it's kind of like the Wild West. Lots of new uh, possibilities are out there. We just haven't found them yet. Um, and so I think initially um, NFT use cases are going to be extremely straightforward, very simple and pragmatic. Uh, but we're going to see, uh, you know, such as, okay, I own an NFT, I own a virtual item. Okay. Um, so very basic. And then from there, we're going to go to other use cases, which uh, could be more about maybe cross promotion. Like, okay, I play a game and then in that game, I earn an item that can be used in another game. Like literally that has nothing to do in my game. Um, and so these kind of use cases are going to allow game developers to grow their user base, uh, create new ways to engage uh, with their users. Um, and that's, I think, um, what game developers are initially going to be into. Uh, if you give them the ability to grow their user base or to promote their content, they're going to be very happy about it because it's not easy to do that. Um, and, and then we're going to see other use cases which are going to be maybe more creative, maybe more niche, which every developer will pick from, you know, depending on their specific title or the specific, you know, company, you know, style. Um, so, so there's a lot of surprises ahead, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'd say it's a really interesting question of um, game design. Uh, once, when you're a developer and you want to create a game, you're used to, um, you know, some special core loop uh, that you do within your game. You do this, you do that, and then it goes back to this, and then you basically turn and evolve within the game. Uh, the addition of NFTs brings some additional possibilities to the, the game designs themselves. So this is very exciting because uh, I think you're going to see the different type of players because, uh, you know, you have like usually four types of players, so the achievers, you have the, the killers, you have the socializers, explorers, which are basically covering all types of gamers, normally. Trolls. Uh, you have the trolls too. I mean, the trolls, yeah. <laughs> but they can be in any of those four. <laughs> they are everywhere. <laughs> uh, and basically what happened is that uh, some players who would not be attracted to a specific game can become attracted to that game because now there's new dimension to it, uh, which is brought in by the NFT. So for example, you can, I don't know, start to, um, but it's part of the the, the ranking. Uh, you want to be uh, super high, but actually by owning something within a game, like a corporation, for example, uh, then you get the status of, you know, being top of the leaderboard, which is cross games. You don't really have to be good at the FPS if basically you own this, uh, team of players, then that's it. Uh, you're actually top of the ladder. So 
there are like many ways basically to create new uh, new mechanics that are exciting for more players than they used to for each specific game. I'm really excited to allow external developers to kind of like have at all of the technology that has been built at Ultra so that we can just kind of see what comes out of that because you know we have our ideas but there's a lot of really smart people out there that are going to have their ideas too and i'm sure that they're going to bring some really exciting stuff to the table i think in terms as well for the developers the extra advantage um it can bring uh you know david touched a bit on this on the marketing side but basically the fact that they are able to directly have uh, influencers, uh, publications, and so on speak about their content means that they can sort of cut the middleman, which is usually the publisher, which you know, I give or take take fifty percent of the revenue um, of the game, which is substantial. Um, and in this regard, they wouldn't need as much support. So there is also a shift in this regard that benefit the developers. Um, so publishers, they have the opportunity to give new life to established franchi franchises with NFT technology. And brands, as we talked about with Wes and the Theta interview, they're looking for new ways to engage with their communities. Um, would you like to maybe cover a little bit of the details that are involved in each? Uh, sure, I would say for the, um, for the publishers, what their job is really is heavily promote the games, right? Uh, so whatever is around promotion uh, is of high interest to them, uh, as well as how would the game operate over a long period of time. Uh, so the fact of having NFTs uh, would basically increase the what we call the consumer lifetime value, uh, which basically is um, how much money would be generated by each user. Uh, and in this regard, the fact of having NFTs and the long tail game, which is, okay, you can trade your items, whatever you do in this game, uh, in the play to one model, for example, brings value to you, but also to the publishers, so which means the more you play, the more there is value as well for, for them. Uh, so that's a, very interesting, but I would say the key point is really around the marketing for them. Um, it's extremely powerful. They can do, you know, a giveaway of a, of a, of a game, for example, on ultra games or NFTs, meaning that, uh, publishers can simply do a giveaway with a very known entity like a streamer uh, who would then speak about the game and automatically distribute a few a few game uh, NFTs. The same way, um, virtual items uh, can be used as promotional tools as well, uh, whether it's also through influencers, whether it's through competitions like tournaments, for example, um, as well as it can sort of be used for like partnering with um, retails. So that's also very interesting because we we never spoke a lot about that uh, and we don't see that a lot around the blockchain world for the moment. But there's a lot of interest as well for retail activation through NFTs, uh, meaning that you can really drive traffic to one place or another. Um, just saying, okay, you know, if you're a fan of, say, uh, I don't know, uh, Forza, you, you just go to that store and then you have a chance to get something extra specific, like exclusive. Obviously, it's a lot of value. Uh, but that's also something that works for so publisher, but also for brands. So the brands, um, I can't touch too much around that because uh, we we already have uh, yeah we have a lot of discussion around that. But basically, the the huge advantage for them is that they can really have this sort of direct to consumer uh, connection. They can really just speak directly to the consumers. Once they're around, they can just have NFTs that are thrown to them. 
uh, they have like interests, for example, around the um, uh, physical goods. So physical goods today, you know, you just buy something and you consume it, you drop it. That's usually how it works unless it's a collectible thing. Uh, but now the fact of doing this action of purchasing something uh, can also be gamified and uh, using NFTs. Meaning, oh, okay, you buy this, then you have a chance to get that digital uh, equivalent, or you have a chance to earn something. Uh, so there's a lot of more engagement that uh, the brand can do, uh, which increase obviously the retention of those those consumers as well as the, um, I would say the the lifetime value of those consumers. I guess that that kind of like segues really nicely into the next question that I wanted to ask which is um, what's really the difference between NFTs and legacy digital assets? Because some of that stuff that you just talked about definitely can do, people definitely do today um, with, uh, without NFT technology, but there's definitely some stuff there that you can't do with NFT technology. Um, David, you want to maybe uh, elucidate what the difference is? Um, so I think um, the difference between uh, the legacy in-game assets and then NFT in-game assets is that first of all, legacy in-game assets are tied to a platform um, such as Steam, for instance. Um, and you cannot get your asset out of Steam. So you need to, these assets live within the realm of Steam and what Steam allows you or don't allow you to do with it. Um, well, NFTs are completely open. As soon as they've been minted, they're out of control of, of the person that has minted. Um, and they can be, for example, sold on different marketplaces and not just on the marketplace of the creator of this NFT. So this opens, this is truly like opening um, the possibilities of use cases of these NFTs. This include um, additional use cases that were not thought of when the person that minted the NFT um, actually minted it. So, and this is the second advantage that NFTs have over classical uh, virtual items is that um, new use cases will be added by people that are absolutely not related by the person that minted the NFT. So tomorrow, um, you know, you, you're a game developer, you create a, a virtual item, which is like a shield. And tomorrow there's a, a esports tournament that allow you to drop NFTs as reward for the winners of the NFT. So suddenly um, this shield that you created initially can be used in a third party application that has nothing to do with the platform where the person actually initially bought this shield. Um, and so this um, creates like a very interesting um, possibility for application developers uh, because suddenly there's these, all these new NFTs that are constantly being generated, but that can get new use cases through your application. I would say in my terms, but if you, Think about um, anything to make it broader. Um, anything become of value, um, which is very different. Like you know, before you receive your points for your special program and special brands or what that. Uh, or in Steam, you get the Steam credits, amazing. But what you do with it? You spend them on buying games on Steam. That's all. Uh, the points you spend them on 
receiving these free gifts you can get when you go to the store. Sure. Uh, but the fact of all of those things being tokenized, now everything has value. So whatever you do, wherever you do it, it has value and can be resold somewhere else. Uh, so the play to earn become play to earn for real life, like everything. <laughs> Every NFT that you're going to get for any reason, it has some value that you can trade else what you actually really want. Sometimes you're lucky the NFT you have is actually exactly what you wanted. Uh, but reality is most of the time you're going to get some NFT that are great, but you want to trade them. For something you really want like oh i want i don't know buy a piano sure i'm gonna play this game a lot i'm gonna get to the store i'm gonna mix all that i'm gonna set all of this and then i'm gonna buy what i want right everything starts with monetary value which is obviously very different uh, i think it's going to be very fun to see how all governments in the world control that because good luck mm-hmm. uh there's lots of uh of people who are gonna have lots of headaches uh to do compliance and then the tax and, and all that i think it's going to be a fun time um, that's also something that we spend a lot of time on Ultra to actually think about from the get-go to make sure um, at least the people trading are in compliance and then we are in compliance, the developers publishing on the are in compliance to make sure everything's fine. And that's what allows us to work with the large corporates because, yeah, they care about it. <laughs> I think that's actually a really interesting point that... Um, because Ultra is a cryptocurrency network, which is connected to other networks via exchanges, then the value which is generated within the Ultra network via NFTs, via game sales, via all of the experiences that people will have within the platform, that value isn't locked to our network. That value can be exported to other networks for people to use how they like, for people to convert to fiat, to do with as they will, because it's at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, about us providing uh, a certain level of freedom, which is not currently available within the market. So I, I guess like that being said, um, we should talk about the downsides of blockchain because uh, it is still new technology. Um, it does have rough patches. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens within the space, which is not kosher, not cool. And let's talk about it because uh, that's, that's what we're about, right? We talk about the hard stuff. So I wanted to start with uh, the fact that blockchain technology is hard to use. And at Ultra, there's been a lot of effort put uh, into making sure that our offering is not, that it's actually really easy to use, really streamlined, very much ready for the mainstream that, you know, like a 12-year-old kid can jump onto this uh, onto our network and play games, and he doesn't even realize that he's using uh, blockchain technology. So. Um, maybe we wanted to talk first about uh, key management and resource management because that's something that we've put a lot of effort into. Sure. Um, yeah, so like you said, this is one of the main issues that you have, key management. You can't say to a kid, write this on a piece of paper, never lose um, this. It just doesn't work. Um, so you need something that's completely transparent. Um, and if it works for kids, it should work for everybody. Um, and that's uh, one big aspect of, of bringing um, blockchain technology to the masses. Um, you also have the, you know, management of resources and resources in blockchain typically um, boils down to coins. Um, if I have to buy coins before I can use a network, that's a problem. If I need to buy coins and stake coins before I can use uh, the network, it's it's a problem. 
um, if you know there are different types of resources like on the OS with CPU, with uh, RAM, with uh, uh, bandwidth, and I need to understand the concept of each of them before I can use the platform, it's a problem. And so what you want is something that's completely transparent and something that's free. Um, and um, by free, I, I actually mean free, not 0, 0.000 something, because um, there's a big difference between um, 0. 0.000001 and zero. And the difference is on one side, I need some coin. It doesn't matter how much it is, I need it. And to get that coin or that fraction of a coin, I will have to start jumping through hoops, creating an account um, on an exchange, don't, you know, buying these coins, transferring with all the costs um, involved, with all the complexity involved. And you don't want that. So free is free, zero. I go on it, boom, I can use it. Um, and so that's, a, that's one really key aspect we've, we've su succeeded on with Ultra. Um, and that will allow us to streamline user experiences really from the registration up to your first purchase, or maybe literally you register, we give you an NFT and you can put that NFT for sale, which is, which is incredible because you don't have any coin to put that for sale. So typically you will have to pay for a transaction, even if, even if it's very, um, you know, cheap in our case, we could give you directly an NFT. You could set it for sale and receive coins that you can then use to purchase whatever you want. I once, um, <laughs> I once counted how many steps it actually takes to, uh, create an account on EOS, including, uh, opening an account with an, ex with, uh, with an exchange, doing KYC, sending the money to the, uh, account, um, staking the, the resources, and then actually performing the, the one transaction that I really wanted to do. It was like dozens of steps. And now that I'm thinking about it with ultra, it must be like a handful. Like we're just talking like, like, like nothing, right? Yeah, you register, that's it. You register on the platform like you used to, like you do your Instagram or whatever. Um, and then there you go. You got your, your account, it's secured, it's decentralized, it's uh, non-custodial, um, and uh, it's easy for you to recover it. So you will, you yeah, so there's basically no additional step compared to a traditional platform, which is what you want. You don't want to have anything new Ideally, you don't want to have to explain anything and just have users onboarding and be happy, you know, using the platform. I think one of the upcoming features as well, which is uh, the single sign-on, uh, we should be available on the platform. We also further push that because basically you will not even need to think about registering on each single service. Like everybody knows, you don't want to register a new account and remember this password that this is a new format. Oh, sorry, this one is a format that you are not used to. Oh, you already used this password one time, you have to change it. Everybody knows those problems. Uh, so basically, we are so really trying to tackle as many problems as possible uh, for the users to have the purely streamlined experience, even not blockchain related, because single sign-on isn't. Uh, but at the same time, it helps basically to uh, promote these ideas a seamless experience for the users, whether it's blockchain, whether it's not blockchain related. Uh, you just don't need to think about uh, potential issues. You just want to use a service, should be able to do it without any frictions. 
So let's talk about scammers, because I think that that's a big deal. Uh, it's part of the reason that the blockchain sphere has uh, some of the poor name that it does. And I know that some of the tech, tech that uh, Ultra has developed um, is with the intent of limiting uh, the impact that scammers can have uh, on uh, a user's account. So let's talk about that. I think a lot of scams um, are related to uh, pretending they're selling something which you know they're not making and just living with money. Um, and a big um, aspect of this is curation. Um, whatever we sell to our users has been curated. Um, if somebody sells something on our platform, on our main service, um, you know, we've been through a KYC process, so we know the person, we know his personal information and disappearing with money becomes a much more complicated um, um, endeavor. You know, at that point, he puts his livelihood in, in play because he's going to be banned in certain countries. He's going to have, you know, bank accounts through frozen and so whatever the, the police does in these kind of cases. So I think this is a very important, um, um, you know, thing that all platforms are going to face. It's like, do you sell a NFT collection or NFT based product to your user base, not knowing a user? It's kind of tricky. And we see that, you know, uh, regularly. Um, in a decentralized world where you have these sales that happen and eventually, you know, they disappear, they promise, oh, we're going to make a game with it. There's a, like a recent story about it. And then, of course, the guy shut down his Twitter account, you know, all his, um, you know, websites and so on, and then just disappeared with, with the money. So that's a problem for the, for the industry. And it is putting um nfts under a bad light um because for people who are new to the nft world for them that's what nft is all about because that's what they see in the news oh somebody just made something disappeared with the money and so on so that's going to be i think kind of like an uphill battle for the nft industry in itself yeah i totally agree i think also an aspect which is um key is what we obviously scammers go where the money is like it's been like that forever for everything right uh now crypto is a lot of money uh you know it's part of it so that it attracts a lot of scammers um but i think when you're gonna get to mass market adoption uh you won't see that as much um because i don't see really the mass adoption arriving because i don't know uh nike is selling the nft uh and then adidas is doing that and I don't Amazon are selling NFTs uh, because that's three step uh, away. Um, first, we're going to see mass market adoption through uh, giveaways, through like programs, through different things that basically uh, don't put those large corporates and brands uh, at risk because basically they give away something. Uh, so the value is lower, but it's going to be touching way more users at once. Uh, so that's, I think, one way that you're going to get a better adoption of NFTs is because it won't be like the same as we see today, which is NFTs are sold for a lot of money. 
That's what's happening today. Uh, when it reaches mass market, I don't think it's going to be the case. Even if Apple is going to be increasing and increasing over time, because those NFTs that have value will be sold. But you would already have been through this uh, adoption phase um, of market adoption phase, which will be through something much smoother, which can't really um, include scammers so much. Because there is each NFT is best value. There's just much more usage of it and less purchase of it initially. One of the other points that people typically bring up when they talk about blockchains, because they associate blockchains with proof of work like Bitcoin and Ethereum currently is, is that it's ecologically damaging and they're right. And we've talked about this in the past, but I'd like to underscore again uh, that we put a lot of effort into making sure that the platform that we're producing is, is not ecologically damaging. Um, Nicholas, maybe you'd like to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Uh, that's obviously something extremely important. Uh, I think that's in the news every single day, climate. Uh, that's front, front of mind for everybody, especially the new young generations. Uh, everybody's very careful about climate and they should. If you all want to be here in a few uh, 20 years, 30 years, it would be good to think about it. Uh, and definitely um, blockchain is had really bad press because of that. And nobody wants to be associated with it because, yeah, it consumes tons of energy, which is true. Um, and so that's something that was deep in our mind when we started working uh, on blockchain technology is what technology also is uh, eco-friendly. Uh, that's also why we went, that's one of the reasons why we took the ESIO stack to start with, because we could see how it was working. Um, and basically, the direction was to, to find out what would be uh, something powerful, but at the same time, uh, not damaging the planet. And so we took a step further uh, and worked with a company uh, to basically attain carbon neutrality. Uh, but we went further than that. We went like 10 times further. Uh, so basically, every time somebody's actually using the blockchain, uh, it reduced the amount of CO2. Uh, produced because we offset about 10 times uh, what's consumed the blockchain. Uh, we can do that not because we are super rich, right? Uh, we can do that because we actually don't consume much, which is the very first thing you need to do. Uh, and that's extremely appealing when we work with any big brands or, or companies because they know that's important. They are making big programs, you know, to reduce their, uh, their carbon emission. Uh, and working with us help them to achieve those objectives as well. Uh, so it's not, it doesn't become like a problem to work with blockchain, it becomes an advantage. Uh, and that's something key to them because, yeah, they commit to something and they have to respect it. And we can help them in this regard as well. It's funny because you never hear about, you know, people saying AWS needs to be carbon, uh, carbon neutral or carbon negative. Uh, but the expectation for blockchain is that we are. And um, while it's not fair, I'm glad that we are. For gamers, there's a concern that in-game digital assets will change how games are played. Um, are NFTs uh, different than in-game assets from a game development, game design perspective? And are NFTs inherently unfair? Uh, I think on a game design uh, perspective, um, they're uh, similar at their base but they can be very different if you go down the path of new use cases of NFTs. 
um, what they can do for you as opposed to what a typical virtual item can do for you. And I'm mostly talking about like the, the custom data that you can attach to an NFT that can then be transported from one app to another. In, in the way I would say that the games are played, yes, uh, it's going to be different. Um, the aim, I would say the goal of the game might be different depending on the players. Uh, usually the game has one goal or two goals, like, oh, I want to be this large guild and be, you know, top of the server, or I want to spend time playing with my friends uh, and then grind and be happy about it. Um, like they've usually two different like mindset, uh, the casual and the hardcore guy and the midcore in the middle. Yeah, sure. Uh, what's happening here with, with the play to earn um, mechanics in the NFTs is that um, some players will have a third um, goal, which is generate money uh, for them, uh, whether it's through their own efforts or whether it's through other people's efforts, which is like you would do when you invest into something, when you do investment, you hope this investment is going to bring value. Uh, but on top of that, you have a sort of metagame around it, which is a gamified investment in a sense. Uh, so you have this kind of possibilities as well with uh, NFTs and games. So yeah, you have really a new paradigm that's uh, that's uh, that can be included within the game, which was not possible before. We saw it, you know, with as I was mentioning, World of Warcraft, Ocean House, uh, which are like sort of in, in this vibe. Some people just trade the Ocean House the whole day, uh, and some people just gather some uh, component that they sell. Uh, just to generate more money uh, so they have more gold but this gold after is sort of useless i mean you have a great number it's amazing you're rich uh but unless you sell it uh to somebody else through weird mechanics that often are scams and money disappear on one side or the other uh there's not much you can do about it so you can already saw uh, in the past that there was already some interest for this kind of gameplay mechanics but it was just not the technology wasn't there yet. The technology is there, so obviously you're gonna see a lot of of new gameplay uh, design uh, blooming everywhere. And I think one one thing that's really important to to keep in mind is that it's not because that you use NFTs that it, the game automatically becomes uh, pay to win, um, which is the big concern that people have. Hey, now you know the the whole game's going to be, you know, losing its fun nature and that's not the case it's it's like anything it's the designers the game designers decision if you make your game pay to win it doesn't matter um if the items you sell is in the form of an nft or um a classical database based virtual item it's really about the game developer that decided to make it pay to win um and um it doesn't matter what platform and so on so um we're going to see both of them just like today we see some games that are paid to win and some others that aren't and really um maybe it sounds um you know counterintuitive but that's the case um and this is all i think something um that is going to be more difficult to do for example on blockchain networks where minting and blockchain transactions are very expensive they might be forced to do pay to win games because everything needs to be paid for, you know, very strongly. 
because the network is, you know, just not efficient enough. But on a network like Ultra, where transactions are free and minting is really, really cheap, you can actually make classical games and just give away NFTs like candies and um, have, uh, you know, normal um, use cases, uh, plus, of, of course, the advantages that NFT bring on the table. I would say, so the fact is free is important, but some blockchain is very cheap, but it's fluctuating and sometimes fluctuating to, I don't know, a uh, few cents or something cheap to like 15 bucks. And then you're like, oh, okay, my old game is blocked. I didn't plan on that. And as a game dev, it's impossible. You can't make a game with fluctuating, uh, like highly fluctuating transactions because it just doesn't work. Uh, if your item was cheap and now you have to pay 15 bucks for a transaction, what do you do? You don't. Everything is screwed up. <laughs> as a former game dev, we know that's not going to work. Uh, for some games, it can work. Uh, if everything's super expensive and you don't really worry about the transaction fee, but that's not how game works usually. Um, so it should be interesting to see. And in terms of pay to win, I think the the misconception also is because usually pay to win is just poor design uh, most of the time because you have you have really the gap between uh, the pay to win aspect and what is a pay to progress aspect, which is highly different. Uh, the pay to win will be really you spend a lot of money and boom, you're number one and you you have an unfair advantage over others which is you have a stronger gear and you can shoot a bigger bullet, right? That's not fair. That's yeah, between la lazy game design, really. Yeah, totally. And so that's, that was a lot the case, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, people were doing that in the beginning of free-to-play. That was great. And it worked. I mean, they made tons of money doing that. Uh, but what you saw now is pay to progress, which is basically you skip ahead steps that you don't want to to spend time on, like for example, when you're going to grind playing a game, uh, instead of spending a hundred hours, you can directly skip this part and get to the next level uh, and by spending money. And that's fine. It's just you don't have the time to do it. You spend money and then you play with other people which have the same level at the same stage, but just you spend money to get there, uh, which is fine because you don't have an unfair advantage uh, versus them. And that's pay to progress. And pay to progress is um fitting nicely with pay to earn uh, which is basically then you spend money on other people um in a way and they progress for you they get rewarded for it and then you get basically to enjoy a different level of game of game uh, that you would have initially so you don't have to grind through everything but somebody has grind for you because you buy the, the item you provided or basically grant your character uh, so there are multiple mechanics that are pay to progress that become play to earn that make a lot of sense but pay to win mm -mm. i don't think you're gonna have a, a lot of attraction with that so so that just kind of, kind of sounds to me like the incentives for developers are already there and it doesn't really matter whether they deploy on blockchain technology or whether they deploy to uh traditional technology because what they're trying to produce is a game which is both uh, fun for their end users, which is going to bring in a larger player, player base. Um, and of course, one that's going to be profitable for them in the long term. Yeah, I think the, the, big, the big advantage is, is, is you saw that there was one game on Steam that had tons of downloading, even if the game was eh, 
put in there. Uh, but yeah, it had some component that was allowing people to earn revenue. And you could see tons of people flocking to that game, playing that game, because, hey, now you have like extra interest to play the game, which is not just playing, but also earning from it. Uh, and that gets some traction, because just people, if they can spend time on something they like and earn from it, well, why not? Why wouldn't I do that, right? Uh, and that makes a lot of sense. And as, as you know, uh, philosophy of Soft Ultra is whatever you do within the platform allows you to generate revenue in some ways uh, to bring value to yourself as well as the others. Um, so I think that's really cool. But for the game developers, as you mentioned, there is really this advantage that, yeah, I can incentivize the people to play more, to be more excited about the game, to create. And that brings value to me at the same time. So I will build more tools uh for the gamers to enjoy the game differently instead of just playing they will have tools that allow them to generate for themselves wealth and value and for the developers at the same time so everybody wins uh in this, this kind of economy there's been a lot of talk recently about the metaverse david you mentioned it you know briefly before uh but i don't think that people really understand that it cannot exist without a decentralized platform that enables developers from across the spectrum to create and deploy new functionality that can work across uh, different games and different experiences. Um, I guess first I'd like to start with what you guys' views on the metaverse is, like what it could be. And then I'd like to follow up with some of, of your thoughts on how crucial you think Ultra is to this potential future. I think to me then, <laughs> the, the big thing is really, about um, the acceptance of your digital identity and the assets that you own with the digital identity. That's really, to me, what it is uh, at the core. If you have this application that understands who you are based on your digital identity, what you did before, what you have, what you own, uh, and can, how to say, visualize it in this metaverse or making it available for the different application and service of this metaverse. This is to me the metaverse. It's basically, yep, yeah, I can go in there and then I'm that same person with many different things, right? But still the same identity, the same NFTs that I own, the same assets, the same history I have. That's what the metaverse is to me. Because after that, if you accept my identity, then I can live in your world, right? I can go to another world and live something different, different experience, but still with the same baggage uh, going from one to another. And that's really then to me where the interoperability should come from is recognizing somebody in a specific in a new context, but still keeping the same history of that person. That's really what it is. And when you go into a, a physical store as well, if you can bring back your digital identity and hey, okay, I can get these advantages because digitally I'm that person, right? Uh, then you start to have this merge between the metaverse and the real world, uh, which can help you at some point. You're going to be able to, to have, you know, advantages uh, in the digital world and the physical world based on your interaction with the other world, right? So that's to me how you're going to see the, this whole thing evolve. Uh, so metaverse will really be about uh, interoperability between the identity of the other users. I think that's one of the more interesting takes that I've heard on what the metaverse is. Like what you're actually saying is the metaverse is you. Like it's the you that comes along with you from world to world. Yeah. 
It's exactly that because otherwise, if it's going around, uh, how can this part works with this other part? It's going to be a nightmare all the time because technology are different. Uh, I mean, if you're using a type of language, I'm using another one. Going to be pretty painful to make them work together properly. You can have the download problems David was mentioning, like for the file distribution and this and that. But those are all technical problems. Uh, but as long as you recognize who I am, that's fine. I can live in the world and then you can just read my blockchain uh, identity, right? So what's 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 basically uh, on chain? Okay, that's who you are. That's what you did. And boom, I give you that experience based on that. That's it. Yeah, which comes back to, to, you know, kind of like the first metaverse being Bitcoin because your secret key is your identity, right? It's just not very rich as it, in terms of identity, um, but it it is your identity. You you lose your identity. You lose you know your assets that go with it. And blockchain is, I think, should be the foundation of a metaverse because of this, because of this like a super high and like uh, like a super high uh, security attached to your assets into your identity and then you, you you know you can move from one service to another but keep your blockchain account and that's uh that's you know i think that's a fund blockchain will be a fundamental part uh to metaverses i think that's also why i thought it was making a lot of sense um for facebook to announce meta right because they already know a lot about your digital identity <laughs> They're probably the most knowledgeable with Google and, and some others, uh, meaning that they already have a good, you know, a good foot inside of this. They can already know who you are, so if they want you to have, you know, you reuse your data for providing it in some way to different services and make your identity usable. Yeah, that's already what they do with advertisement, right? So maybe they have like. Uh, Thinking about that, I'm like, yeah, sure, make a lot of sense. Why wouldn't they do it? So thanks to all the Ultra fans out there, we're always excited about bringing you more news, insider info, and in-depth details about why what we're building, why we're building it, and how we believe that it will shape the future of gaming and digital assets. Make sure to subscribe and share this episode wide and far. See you next time, and keep it ultra chill. Thanks a lot, thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Ultra.